This is the Progression Project Podcast, deconstructing foiling, flow, and the learning process with your host, Eric Anthemson. Thank you for tuning in to the Progression Project Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Anthemson. Today's guest on the show is PB, Paul Burnett. Um, quick intro today, because we're going to just jump right into it. I'm going to try to get this thing out as quick as possible so that get more content out there because I've been slacking so hard lately. Um, continuing my shortboard and foiling tandem training, and it's going well. I'm going to get some of Paul's feedback on that today. And it's been too long. Paul and I were talking yesterday. Uh, I just want to catch up, and I figured, why not do it on a show? So, PB, what's going on, man? Hey, buddy. Uh, always good to be back, and always good to be talking to my friend, Eric Antonson. It the is, king man. of the podcast. <laughs> How have you been? You've been on a kind of a rocky road for the last six months, man. How you doing? Uh, good. Um, the health's... Uh, the health is coming good. Um, my back is pretty much feeling, feeling, if not a hundred percent, it's you know in the nineties, which is great, um, considering that uh, last year I couldn't walk, uh, really, and uh, so it's it's really good that a I can walk. I mean, your health is something that you take for granted until you don't have it, and when you don't have it, you just it's it just yeah, it's a it's a different thing. So uh, really thankful to be uh, in, as I say, pretty uh, pretty much uh, a situation where I'm uh, back in the water and uh, I'm I've just in the last couple of sessions feeling like I'm I'm getting back to where I was. So uh, life's pretty good, and we're in holidays at the moment here in Australia. Um, I'm a teacher, so I've got two weeks holidays, not like you, you guys with the three months or whatever it is for summer, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I've got two weeks. And so I've been in the water a couple of times a day for the last couple of days. And, uh, yeah, there's been some swell and it's been really good. Unreal. Life's great. When we talked, I don't know, over the last few months, it seemed like the back would, would pop back up on you. What let you turn the corner? Do any specific training? Um, in, uh, um, oh, look, <clears throat> it was a matter actually. For the most part, originally it was uh, it was doing nothing um, uh, because my back literally wouldn't allow it. Um, where our surf spot uh, that we mainly uh, foil around here, we've got um, a hill uh, that overlooks all the spots and. Uh, I went to walk up there one day while I still wasn't feeling a hundred percent, but uh, I wanted to walk up and, and check the, check the waves. And it's probably, it wouldn't even be a, a kilometer. Uh, well, it wouldn't, it'd be half a mile. And, uh, and it's certainly not steep from where you uh, park the car in the car park. Uh, you might uh, uh, go up or oh, maybe four flights, you know, if you've got out your, uh, your, your Apple, um, you know, information about how many flights you went up. It probably wouldn't be more than four flights over that 800 meters. And uh, I literally could not, I collapsed before I got to the end of that 800 meters and couldn't go on and had to lie there for an hour or something. Um, and so, yeah, it's been, a, for, for the most part, 
originally it wasn't even a case of of doing physio or anything because I literally couldn't. Um, but uh, thankfully, uh, it started letting me, uh, allowing me to do stuff. And uh, yeah, I start, I got this thing called an OOV, which basically um, allows you to hyperextend your back. And I was doing some um, some work on my back with uh, hyperextensions and stuff and, and just stretching and exercising my way through. And yeah, thankfully it's, it, it's come pretty good. And then uh, when I first got back in the water, and this was obviously uh, something that had to do with my back, I um, ended up uh, tearing my hamstring. Uh, obviously my hamstrings were tight because of my back. And so I tore my hamstrings. So that was uh, a, a nice little welcome back to the water. But uh, yeah, I'm okay at the moment. So that, that's good. And that's a long road. What did you learn in the process? Are there any big takeaways? I think that generally speaking, when I have periods like you've just experienced, they're really tough to go through, but I end up with some lesson at the end. Did you get one? Um, well, like I said, originally, thankfulness is, is a big one. Um, you know, you don't, you don't always sit there and, and, and be thankful about the fact that you can do stuff. You just take all that for granted. Uh, so thankfulness is one. Um, I watched a whole bunch of, of uh, foiling videos, as you can imagine. And then for a while there, I stopped watching videos because they just frustrated me. So, so I, I, wasn't even, you know, getting onto, I wasn't even getting on Insta and looking at stuff because it was just like, yeah, I don't ever want to look at it. It's, it's depressing. Um, but, uh, I think that, uh, certainly the level of foiling, uh, since when I did my back, which was, um, first week of June, no, yeah, first week of June last year. Um, so just a bit over a year now, um, the level of foiling's just gone through the roof. So, um, having like looking at guys and what they're doing and, and analyzing it. I had a whole, well, one of the good things in answering your question was that it gave me time to analyze uh, what people were doing uh, without the actual um, beauty of being able to try and emulate, emulate it myself. So a little bit more time in my head and thinking about technique and, and why those things are working for the various people that were doing them. Uh, and, and, now that I'm back in the water and, and back to the, to the stage where, I, where I'm starting to push myself again, I can try and apply those things which are just head theories <laughs> and, and apply them to, you know, my actual foiling as well. So that's a good thing. That's a takeaway. Let's, uh, let's go through them. Who are you watching? What did you notice? How are you going to try to apply it? What are you impressed with? Talk us through it. Well, I think the internet blew up when Adam did that turn. And I don't even have to explain the turn. We all know what it is. Um, okay. That one at, uh, at South Wall Ballina, um, where he just does the bottom turn, comes up, and then just Mac 15s it back around to the other side of the section. And... Um, that just blew me away. That was the best turn I've ever seen on a foil. 
And uh, that said, I saw one from Howbound the other no- the other day um, where he drifted the fins. I don't know if you saw that at the. Yep. At that that was pretty wild. Um, what those guys can do with the sup, you know, with the paddle. Um, I remember Derek Hammer doing something vaguely similar, like probably two years ago now. Um, but uh, yeah, the 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 third, um, you know, um, or the ability to to transition their their weight onto the onto the paddle and away from the board. Um, it gives them uh, the ability to do stuff that you'd never be able to do. Uh, well, at least not at the moment, be able to do uh, without the paddle. That was very impressive, I thought. But um, uh, yeah, that as I said, the thing that Adam did was unbelievable. And then just getting in the water, and unfortunately I haven't been able to do it uh, too much lately because my ski, I had to give it away, <laughs> it died. Um, so I gave it to some mechanic friends of mine who said they'll fix, they'll fix it up. And um, but uh, so I don't have a ski at the moment, and James doesn't either. So um, I've missed going out with James because that's always a lesson. He is just phenomenal, that boy. Um, we call him the Messiah, and there's good reason for it because he just is next level at at the turns that he does. And I look at them uh, when you when I see them on Insta and. It never does them justice, um, the because you don't get this. You don't seem to get the see the speed that he comes off the top uh, on the videos. It, it for some reason I don't know what it is, but yeah, James is is phenomenal, and, and seeing that live uh, is always good. And and Tom, Tom's gotten good. Tom's been uh, been ripping, and there's a few other boys. Uh, around here that I that I look at, and uh, um, as for guys on the, on the net, um, Adam's probably the one that I look at the most. Not not to emulate, but just because I I, I like his style. I like what he does. I like the lines that he draws, that he draws, um, and I like the um, his his approach to it all. And I, I spoke to him about it, and. Uh, you know, like other guys like Paul Cooper, he is ripping, um, but he's ripping in a way that um, is more of a young man's styling. And I'm an old man, I'm 58. Um, and and so I don't know, he actually sent me a, a, a set of uh, a set of straps uh, just recently. I, they, oh, they took, they took forever to get here. Uh, he, he sent them from Oahu, which is where he's from. They went to San Francisco, from San, San Fran to LA, LA to Hong Kong, Hong Kong to Perth, which for you guys in the States is on the west coast of Australia, and then to me on the east coast of Australia. So it'd be like sending something um, via New York to LA um, from Australia. It's just was the bizarre. Um, you know, I kept looking up, you know, tracking. Oh, yeah, where is it now? And it just tell me it was in the bizarre place in the world. But, yeah, back to what I was saying. Yeah, um, Paul sent me the, the straps. So I've yet to use them, but uh, looking forward to giving them a go. But what Paul, goes, uh, Paul does uh, is unbelievable. I think he's got one of the better um, air games of any of the boys out there. Uh, but it's, it's certainly not the game that I'm looking to emulate. 
Um, apart from the, apart from the fact that I don't think that I've got the balls to do it, um, kudos to him for throwing that thing in the air so often. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I just like the rail game, for want of a better term, that uh, that Adam has and that uh, that James have. Uh, it really it really is the way that I want to surf um, or foil, and, and so that they're the guys that that are that are doing those speed rail turns um that that are, are what i want to do yeah um paul straps he does them under one by one foil and they're epic i have a set um built super good and i think he still hand stitches them all himself it's like hand so, so beautiful so and a nice looking piece of work too so anybody yeah. thinking of getting some straps Give uh, one by one a look in. Yep. I like to support anyone who's ripping fully, fully foil brained. And I'm impressed by the amount of content he can put out. Yes, he certainly is. Uh, he's certainly pumping it out. He's obviously, like I said, he, his air game uh, is probably unmatched. Um, I might have seen people do better airs, but you see four or five in any given clip that might only be, you know, a minute long. Yeah. Um, from Paul, I don't think anybody, uh, he's like the Italo of, of, of foiling in, in respect to, you know, landing his airs. I think he's phenomenal. Yep. And I have to say that I think that his style is getting better through riding strapless as well. I think there's a difference. You can really tell how someone's pulling a turn through, um, which looks a little different to me than when someone's, you know, strapless and doesn't have that leverage advantage from the front foot. And I think it looks better, but I think that his surfing having broken it down a lot lately, um, strapped is looking better than it was a few months ago before he started surfing strapless. I don't know if you noticed the same thing. Yeah. I, I finally should say that I, um, I pulled, I, I actually, I'd, I'd not done it before, but I, I checked out his um, him on um, on YouTube uh, just before getting on here, and and I noticed there was a wave that he that he was on uh, where he busted a, a you know a credit card air um, on finless, I mean strapless. Um, and I went, oh yeah, and then I noticed as as you have just um, intimated that. Uh, his slightly different style when he's strapless than he is uh, with his straps. So I've I've only had a couple of go of straps a couple of times, and and people always say that you know you, there are shortcuts you can do, uh, which uh, obviously allow him to do uh, bust those airs and stuff. But uh, yeah, I did notice that he his um, his technique strapless did look nicer. I must say. Yeah. Um, but I think it's starting to permeate his strap surfing as well. Like, I think that you're starting to see it, like what he's learning in the unstrapped game, or maybe he's known in the unstrapped game. I don't know. I don't know how much time he's spending unstrapped and strapped right now, but, um, I think everything's smoothing out for him. I think that's like, if we look at overall themes that are happening and foiling right now, I think in the last year, you're starting to see guys look really comfortable on foil. You know, I was talking to uh, someone who's deep in the surf game. Um, 
like at a very high level. And at the beginning, when they were watching foiling, uh, and we got the chance to to surf and foil together some over the last little bit, and um, he was saying that he was never really that into foiling or didn't really want to do it because it looked like everybody was just trying to manage the flight. Didn't really look like anyone was comfortable in flight and just surfing. And that's one of the things that he said that he's seen change and that he saw like kind of like with, with me flying around is that it's no longer a game of just managing flight. Like in the last year, it seems like, I mean, maybe the top guys a year ago or two years ago already had that, but now the more normal guys are, are starting to be able to just be comfortable flying to where the surfing is taking over. So it doesn't look like a balancing act the whole time. Um, it's going to be interesting to see as we all get more comfortable over the next year. And this is a sport that takes a while to really get comfortable doing to where you're no longer thinking about, you know, height management, where at the beginning, it felt to me like, I was spending a lot of time in the balance and I tended to like foils that were heavy front footed so that I had a better understanding of, of where I was in the water columns, like a go foil or, um, maybe, uh, an NP. But now I think as your brain gets better at understanding, um, unconsciously height that I've been able to ride, I can only speak to myself here, but I've been able to ride foils that are, are much more nuanced in, in pitch and not have to think about it at all. Where a year ago, if I rode, say, a lift foil, and this was also before the base plate shim, and that's changed it a lot for me, or even some of the signature gear that was smaller, I tended to spend a lot of my mental processing on just keeping it in, in transitions, keeping the board at the right height. And now I don't really ever notice that anymore. And that was something that this guy in the surf world was saying that has gotten him interested in foiling um, because he's seeing what it's going to look like. And, and I think if we extrapolate that out, you know, in the next few years, it's going to be pretty insane how, because of the efficiency advantages um, where this is all going to go. And I think you're getting a window into that with the best guys right now, but look at their progress over the last few years and then think about them in the next few years. It's going to be unreal going to be drawing surf lines in surf places on waves on foil. Yeah. Yeah. You've just reminded me of, um, of, uh, foil wizard that, uh, <laughs> that downwinding, uh, um, video that he posted the other Unreal. day where he's going Mac a thousand yep. and just the way he was dealing with the speed, uh, with his drop knee technique, it was just magical. Yep. Which isn't really um, what you were talking about as far as, you know, what people are going to be doing in, in critical sections of, of waves. But I was just thinking about the adaptability of, of you know, as you say, the, the good guys, the guys who are leading, leading the way and their ability to make those adjustments on the fly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what are you riding these days? Same gear, same boards? Um, well, as, as I said, I was out for a while. So, um, um, I, I got some extra gear, but for some reason, I, well, I mean, I know the reason, um, I got a, I'm currently riding and I'm, uh, and I'm back on the 660 dihedral wing 
Axe's Foil, um, which is part of their surf, advanced surf foil game. Um, and then um, I, they've got a the Black Series um, and the um, oh, little vague on exactly what it's called, but they've got this Wing 700, uh, which is what most of the Lost Boys guys are, are riding at the moment. They're loving that. Um, the problem for me, though, um, is that, um, in case you boys haven't noticed, I'm, I'm the fat guy from the Lost Boys. Um, and I'm weighing in a, 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 at a bunch of kilos more than what the other guys. And But because of my back, trying to pull up out of the water with a, a, fo a foil that doesn't have a lot of lift um, at low speeds um, and having a small tow board. My tow board's only 18 litres, uh, three foot eight. Um, I think if I, if I was getting a new board, I might um, you know, get maybe up to 22, 24 litres to give myself a little bit more, a um, uh, little bit more leeway to get up and out of the water, because at the moment, what's happening is I'm having to um, nurse my back because I'm, you know, I'm I'm wary that uh, I'm, I'm I'll hurt my back, and so if it's at all difficult to pull up out of the water, I have to let go. Otherwise, I think I'm going to tweak my back, and then I've got this really small window of opportunity to, to pull up out of the water and be on foil at low enough speed where I'm just, you know, able to take off okay. And then the next level is that I just come flying up out of the water and, and falling off. Um, and so um, Adrian from Axis sent me another foil, which is a prototype which has 830 written on it. I don't know what um, particularly, uh, particular um, uh, family of, of wing from Axis it goes with, but he said, this might help, but I've had the same problem on it. And I think one of my problems, as I said before, I, I don't have my own ski at the moment. And normally I, I, I foil with Tom, but Tom skis out at the moment as well, because we've rolled it. <laughs> we can talk about that. If, we can talk about that later if you like. But we rolled his ski and, and uh, it's literally taken months to get uh, some parts for it. And, uh, and so I've been sort of um, slutting my way about around the, the, the Lost Boys crew to, you know, basically get a toe here and a toe there. And so I haven't necessarily had consistent partners where we could work on speed uh, speed to get me up and out of the water. So um, the upshot is that the 700 and the 830 both feel really good when I'm on a way, uh, but it's taken me that many times to try and get up and out of the water um, consistently that I've just gone back to back back to my 660 because it's like I can pop up out of the water without even thinking about it on that, and and it goes pretty well. Not as well as the others, but uh, well enough for me to go, well, I just want to actually have a surf at the moment. Why and, not go uh, with a much bigger board? I mean, surface area, not volume. Um, well, look, I'd absolutely um, uh, getting a new board is probably what I should do. Yeah. I, I just haven't uh, just haven't gotten around to it. I should borrow like one of 
Adams JS's or something like that. Like, I like the surface area on those boards. Yeah, it's 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 good to say that, but that's like saying borrow somebody's board uh, if you're in Florida who lives, you know, in New York, because <laughs> he's he's a seven hour drive up the coast away from me. Oh, maybe I'll send you one, Adam. Send Paul the board. <laughs> Hook him up. Um. So what well, else? I really going- like the um, Amos boards. Yep. Um, Amos does awesome boards, and uh, um, I, I, I probably should be talking Amos. There you go. Anybody out there who wants a good board, get an Amos. They are freaking awesome. There you go. There's a plug from a friend. There you <laughs> go. Um, so what else is going on in that mind of yours? Um, well, you want to hear the the Tom the Tom roll the roll the jet ski story? Yeah. Oh. Always fun with a story. We were out and it was just one of these days. I've told you before that where we go out, there's, there's I think, eight or nine reefs that we have the opportunity to, to access within a 10-minute jet ski ride of, 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 the, um, of the ramp that we put our boards in, uh, skis in, sorry. Um, and so we're really blessed. Uh, and that... The, the the reefs face both south and north and uh, so we get south we can we can basically get swells from any direction and we can have wind from probably a virtually maybe a 200 and not 270 but you know way over 180 degrees of offshore as you know because of just the way the the headlands, um, you know, situated and and the prevailing winds. Uh, Summer, the prevailing wind is a nor'easter, and that's offshore on one side of the of the headland. And winter, a sou'easter's um, the prevailing wind, and uh, it's a westerly in the morning, but in the afternoon, a, a prevailing winds a sou'easter, and it's off, offshore on the other side of the reef. Um, so it, it's 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 really good place to, to foil. And uh, anyway, we were out there one day on the southern side and Tom and I were out there and we're having fun. And then um, some other guys, uh, another crew came out uh, and they decided that they'd go to one of the other reefs. So it's just Tom and I. And then James turns up with his, um, with his wingding. And so we've got James out there with the wingding We've got Tom, oh, that's right. And we also had um, uh, a photographer because this was when we were doing the story for um, uh, for Foiling Magazine on Tom. Um, and so we we took a photographer out. And so at the at the beginning, he was on the back of the ski, but then he jumped into the water and um, was trying to get some shots there. So we had a, a photographer in the water. There was a drone up. There was Tom and I on one ski there was james out there with just just rocketing in in and out winding um and then the the ski that went to the other bank a bank came over on our bank and then another group came out so there's like it was fully water world there was three jet skis there was photographer in the water there's a drone up there's james winging around the place going a million miles an hour and um and so it's just it's all happening 
you know, you're really having to, to um, and this surf spot, of the spots that we go to, it's probably um, the tightest as far as uh, where the takeoff is. Um, you know, we've got other spots where you might have four or 500 metres of, of area where you can just take off sort of anywhere um, in, that, uh, in that sort of zone. But this has got probably a, a 50 metre takeoff zone. So there's just, it's, it's water world and uh, just things going everywhere. Anyway, Tom whips me into one. Um, so it's a left-hander. So Tom's, uh, we've started um, way to the south of this, um, of this wave and he's whipped me into the left. Um, and, um, and I've gone around the ski on, on the whip. And for some reason, I don't want, I, I, Tom always really wants to get in close with the, with the video. And so he's, he's followed me in onto the wave and I've, I've come around um, doing a, a toe turn um, and turning off the top of the wave and then came around. And as I'm coming around, I've seen that not only has Tom <laughs> followed me a bit closely, but he's a little bit in the lip. And, and then he's, um, he's noticed as well that he's a little bit in the lip um, as I've turned. And then he's, he's tried to turn down the wave. Um, and as he's come down the wave, um, the, the front nose of the ski has, has dug in and shot, you know, Tom over the falls and the ski's gone up and my, and, and I've at this time when the ski's going up and over the falls, I'm doing a bottom turn and literally going to run straight into the ski. Um, as, I've, as, I, as, as it's going over the falls, I'm bottom turning and like there's a ski right in front of me, a la, um, you know, Reef McIntosh and, uh, and what's he at uh, Chopu all those years ago. And uh, so I've gone, oh, fuck. sorry, everybody. Um, anyway, so I've, I've quickly, I'm on the flats because I've, I've, I've actually gone right out in front of the wave to come back and I was planning on hitting it, but there's a jet ski in my way. So I've literally turned um on the in the flats and just kick this um kick the foil away and and i'm facing away from the from the ski um after turning back forward i've kicked the ski forward and i've had to dive backwards <laughs> and i'm thinking this thing's gonna hit me um and i'm trying to get myself you know deep enough to to go under it if <laughs> if it does go over me in the end I, I honestly don't know whether it went over me or not because thankfully I did get enough penetration but it was like had to back dive into the flats in front of a jet ski coming over my head um anyway I've, I've come up and the um the skis rolled and it's um like had gone over me my board has gone in and up on the, uh, well, I thought it had gone in and up on the rocks. Um, and then James comes flying in and I'm swimming towards, um, oh, that's right. I, I started swimming in to get my board. That's right. Because my board was far away. And, but then I've noticed that the ski was rolled over. So we had to roll it and Tom's, you know, swum after it and I swum after it. Finally, we've, we've got it rolled up. And then James comes in with his wingding and um, 
he's somehow connected himself to the front of the ski and he's trying to he's trying to wingding the um the ski out with his with his uh um with his with his wing <laughs> um and and because it was in the impact zone and it was all happening uh one of the other guys came with his ski and and finally we got it out of the impact zone and um you know nobody was hurt except for the ski because what had happened was that uh the um the bonnet had uh broken off and uh and yeah in the end we couldn't get it started and so i had to swim in to find my board because after all of this um you know probably spent 10 15 minutes getting the uh, maybe 10 minutes getting the the foil um, i mean the 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 ski out of the impact zone and and just making sure that you know when those things roll you know a whole bunch of things come out of them and you're trying to find it and stick it back together and in the end by the time I started looking for my board I had nowhere no idea where my board was because um it could have gone up on the on the rocks or it could have gone um into this bay because all the water flows off the reef and then uh even when it's small which it was um it just there's a fair amount of drift of water so it literally could have been anywhere um and it took 15 minutes before of swimming around before I finally hear this call from the the guy who was in the water doing the water shots. He said, "I got your boy," and I had to swim a few hundred meters to to join up with him. And we ended up we walked back around um, because we knew it'd be easier uh, not to have too many people on the on the ski because we'd taken the photographer and myself and Tom on the one ski. So we decided we'd walk back around. And uh, it was, the wind was so heavy on the other side, there was that much um, bump and, and what have you uh, on, the, on the windward side, on the north side, that it literally took them longer to get back, to tow the Tom back with his ski than it took us to walk. And it took us 20 minutes to walk. So it was like, it took them a half hour to get back on a trip that normally would take you know 10 minutes uh so that was a uh, uh extended trip that i was glad that i didn't take and as i said tom's ski still hasn't been fixed and that would be maybe three or four months ago now so that's, that's a nice little tale <laughs> so and there's three skis that you guys have that are down right now uh well like i said mine's not working james's isn't working um uh tom's isn't working we had another guy who oh, here's a story for you um he's got uh one of the brand new yamahas and um the boys over here have developed this um uh tow rope system which frankly i don't like from the perspective of the um of actually using it um, but it's great in respect to not getting the um, rope in the impeller because uh, basically what they do is they, they get um, pearl noodles um, and rather than, you know, paying the 300 bucks for the, the high surf um, ski rope, um, they just get one of the cheap wakeboard ropes that, um, from anywhere, but then they, they put uh, pearl noodles, which are what? You know, maybe uh, what a yard in your speak, 
maybe one and a half yards long, uh, you know, any of the pool noodle things, and they put about six of them on. Um, and then that way the, the rope doesn't go, doesn't, can't go under the water and so it doesn't get um, stuck in the impeller, um, which is yeah. an occasional problem. And anyway, one of the other guys has uh, gone out without that rope um, a system and uh, promptly got the uh, rope caught in the impeller. Um, and it wasn't it wasn't the guy who owned the ski. It was his mate uh, on on who was actually driving. And he thought if I put it in a reverse and give it a bit of a you know acceleration, uh, it should pop out. But instead of it popping out, the engine popped out, put a hole in the bottom, oh, and, uh, and completely drowned the ski. Unfortunately, <laughs> I was talking to Mike today. That's the guy who owned the ski. And um, he, he had it insured, which was good. But um, unfortunately, the cost to repair it came up something like, I can't remember exactly, but let's call it, you know, it was fifteen or $18,000 to repair. Uh, it was a twenty-four or $25,000 ski, whatever it was, but it was $500. According to the um, the insurance people, it was $500 less, uh, you know, lower than their scrap it and we'll just give you a new one um, price. And so they've been waiting for, they've been waiting for a few, uh, about a month now uh, to get, uh, get their ski fixed. So, yeah, another one down. There's a, there's a few. It's an expensive hobby. It is an expensive hobby, but let me tell you, it is <laughs> the ski and the foil is there is no better combination. At all. Yeah. Have you disappeared on me? No, I haven't. I'm just thinking about that. I'm thinking about I have too many toys already. And I don't know how yeah, that would go over. I want to ski. Oh, uh, they, they, it is like quite honestly, it, it, it can't be beaten. That said, I, I found myself, and I don't know if it's from sitting around or from not actually having my own ski, which does get a bit uh, frustrating because you can't always, you know, put your hand up and 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 find somebody or find space on on one of the skis that's going out. I've, I've been watching people pump and thinking I, I should get to be able to do that. There's a beauty in the simplicity of it. Like yep. there's, there's nothing that I like more. And this is a conversation that I have with a buddy who is somewhat like you and that he pretty much only toes or at least only towed until the last couple of months where he's taken on sup and winging now. But um, there's a beauty in the simplicity of just walking out back with your board and flying down the beach a few miles. Uh, it does come at the cost of being sore all the time, <laughs> you know, like uh, that's, that's like the one thing I did not realize how sore I perpetually was until I've been like up North again, kind of on the job and I'm no longer sore. And I didn't realize that like my legs just hurt all the time. Walking upstairs hurt, you know, like I just touched my leg. It was sore to the touch my back leg, which is now a good bit bigger than my front leg, which kind of bothers me a little bit. I'm, I'm trying to train a little bit to, to even out the body. I'm sure that's that those imbalances aren't good over the long term. And switch I'm going to try it. What's that switch foot. Switch yeah. Foot. Right. 
Yeah, right. Um, Twitch, Twitch foot <laughs> boiling. There you go. There, there's a challenge out there, everybody. I'll uh, you post your video first, and then I'll dive in. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the uh, the simplicity of just being able to just go out and and fly around with pumping um, is one of my favorite aspects of the sport. That said, I've had some of my best days towing. So, no, uh, yeah, that's it. It's just magical. I've uh, I'm I, I'm yet to be sold on any uh, on any other uh, mo uh, mo uh, model, but uh, uh, I have been watching. And uh, yes, uh, the frustration of not getting a ride uh, might uh, might broaden my horizons. Yeah. It's limiting when you when you're relying on technology in some ways, uh, and it's also a bigger time commitment. You know, where if you're just prone, I can hop in for 20 minutes and get a good a good session, but you're looking at a half day once you put a ski in the water. No, 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 no. See, that that's only if you're not if you're not geared up. You can we can do it in an hour. You can get a session in an hour. Yeah. Boom. <laughs> Done. <laughs> Um, let's talk technique for a little bit. We, um, you and I kind of have a side conversation happening all the time about breaking down turns and proper technique, where things are headed, all that kind of stuff. Have you seen any big changes or have you had any new insights in watching people? You, you kind of mentioned this at the beginning with your time off and being able to watch people foil and it brought about some new thoughts to technique. Is there anything that you're seeing in the sport now that you didn't see the last time we talked technique? Um, I've always been huge on what the front arm was doing. And yep. I've realized lately that what the back arm's doing is just as important as what the front arm's doing. The front arm guides where you're going uh, and sets up a whole bunch of really important things like um, uh, upper body rotation. Uh, it sets up uh, what your legs uh, are doing in respect to the turn, uh, what your hips are doing. But then when you start to want to do what, has inevitably been added, uh, which is you know drifting the fins or drifting the the, the wing, um, and the the snappiness that's being thrown in uh, to turns. That's all coming from the back foot, which is placing a bigger importance on what your back arm's doing. Uh, so. I think one of the big things that's changed in the last year has been the inclusion of the back foot and the back arm mm -hmm. of, of, and the necessity of what's happening with all of that. I agree. That's something I think about a lot now lately too. And the way that I look at it and when my son and I talk about this, we've been talking about it a lot, is that I feel like the front hand sets up the turn and sets the waiting for the turn and your back arm is kind of like your power arm. It's like, yeah. I call it in when necessary to finish, 
I feel it's like, it's like the finishing arm, the setup happens with your front arm. And then the back arm is that bit of torque at the end or the release of the tail or the foil, whatever you want to call it. Um, is that the same way that you think about it? Yeah, that's exactly how I'm thinking about it. And okay. it's kind of like the difference between, let's say, John John at Margaret River, where he does those just magical loops where he's doing a vertical cutback and then comes down and he releases uh, releases when he's going down or a little bit back towards the, the wave and comes back and does his bottom turn again. Um, there's the difference between that turn, which is which was what most of us were doing, um, you know, like we say a year ago, that was what we were happy with doing. But now we're doing that extra little tweak where John John, you know, comes back and the board actually turns around and goes back, um, you know, up towards mm -hmm. the, the wave before he hooks it back around. And it's that extra um that extra as you say drift of the tail or or wing waft or whatever you want to call it that that has been added uh that requires that back arm as as an integral part of what's happening it it allows you when you throw the back arm through it allows you to tighten the radius because i think it yeah. gives you more exactly. more uh weight maybe that 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 momentum gives you more weight over to push on your back foot. And if you don't yeah. throw it and if you, it's all about timing. That's something like uh, demo, my son and I have been talking about lately um, is not throwing it too early, you know, being able to be comfortable. And this is a problem I always had in shortboarding was that I love that front side kind of like power wrap. Um, but that would never finish with speed. I'd lose all of my speed in that turn. And then, kind of have to like recover in the foam near the lip and then drop the wave again to where foiling has actually taught me how to hold a turn and how to stay fast on the rail through the turn and not throw that arm until incredibly late. I, like most of the time, even in foiling now, like when I'm trying to hit the lip backside, it's a, it's a waiting game, saving that power right until you need it at the end. So I think it's easier on foil than it is on, on a shortboard because you have so much more efficiency so you can carry that speed back into the pocket easier. Um, but that direction change at the end to go back vertical is all about throwing that arm through. And if you've thrown it early, you no longer have that cowbell uh, left. Yeah. The, yeah, certainly the, with the, the foil you've, We've always understood the luxury that the foil gave you doing a long arc turn. Yep. And the beauty of the foil in respect to the long arc turn is that unlike a surfboard, you're increasing your speed through that long arc turn rather than bleeding speed. And that was what immediately attracted me to foiling when, when I got to the level that I could do that and I just went, wow. I've just done the best cutback I've ever done on a one foot wave. Yep. And and for a guy who thought Larry Bertelman was the best thing ever and and like taught himself the Larry Bertelman cutback and you know just wanted to <laughs> wanted to be Larry Switchfoot. <laughs> um, you know, being able to do a, a long arc rail 
cutback was something that was always in my DNA from a surfing perspective. And so being able to translate that onto a foil, it's just been a wonderful experience. But you then miss out on that short arc turn uh, where you blow it off the, the, you know, blow it off the lip um, and just do a power hack. Uh, but now uh, that's starting to become part of the lexicon of, of the language of foiling. Mm-hmm. You know, as we talk about these turns, something that uh, Pedigo Flyline Productions on Instagram um that shot that he just posted i don't know when he posted it but the last one where he's coming back out and then he does a nice little off the top but then he does that wailing second turn that's that's impressive yeah he rips he rips he's um just a frother on on pretty much every level um but something that we've been talking about a lot is the offset stance and the benefits and the 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 drawbacks of it you know, if you if you look at like a James Casey or Pedigo or Adam, there's varying degrees of how offset they are off the stringer. And yeah. I think that's a function of a few different things. Um, the I think it has a lot to do with what foil you ride. I think that heavier front foot weighted foils, so like a go foil, leads you more to an offset stance to counter the lift as you initiate a turn. Um, that's one of my reason. That's one of my hypotheses on, on why certain folks become more offset than others. I think it's an artifact of what foils people are riding. Um, yep. and I think that it allows you to do a more pivot turn because you can get immediate, um, leverage over the, the wingtip there on, you know, on your, on your heel side where sometimes it's a little bit harder. So if you look at like, Mike and I, I mean, we foil together all the time. And so it's been cool to, to kind of like follow our process through because there was a moment in time when we first started out foiled very differently. And then we kind of came to get, came together and, and our foiling looked pretty similar for a little while. And now it's starting to look different again. Um, and I think a lot of it has to do with, because he's more offset than I am, there are certain turns like the, the tight wrap in the pocket, I think is a lot easier when you're offset. Um, but then I don't think that it lends itself to that big arcing cutback in the same way. I think the only, I think Adam is the guy who's most offset, who does the best, like big wraps, like not big wraps, but, uh, but like full rail cutbacks. He seemed to be able to manage. Go ahead. I've got, it's funny you should say that I've got the turn right in front of me here mm-hmm. um, and his right foot is a little on the toe side that's his back foot for those yep. who don't know that Adam's a natural footer yep. um, his right foot his toe his back foot is probably maybe an inch to the toe side yeah uh, yeah his yeah now that you say it his left foot his heel is only an inch from the from the side rail right um so uh and that's before he does that turn (laughs) comes up unweights and then just boom that is just magic he's he's grabbed his rail 
Um, he was saying that one of the reasons he likes to grab his rail is that it allows him to to pull um, pull the the board down um, and forward. And you can see that in the motion. I've just um, paused it here. Um, you can see that in the motion of where he's where he's going. He's got both his knees are well forward. Um, his back knee is is tucking towards his front knee, but his front all his weight is well forward um, of of his hand, which is uh, his backhand, which is his right arm is on the rail, and it's about mm, probably. 10 inches in the, the right, uh, his hand on the rail is about 10 inches in front of his mast. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's just allowing him to, as you say, with that front foot a little on the heel side of the board allows him to open up that turn uh, in, such a, in such a way. And I did actually speak to him about it. He said that, the speed that he was going through that turn was was the hardest thing to manage, mm -hmm. which certainly what it looks like because he's going Mac a hundred. Yep, I agree. That's one of the better turns I've seen. Um, on, and also the the camera angle is so good on that too. Like whoever oh. was driving and filming. Yeah, he he's money. The, yeah, he does a sensational job um, of filming. Um, is that Earth What's Kite, it? something or other? Sorry? Is that the Earth Kite guy? Yeah, Earth Kite 15 or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> whatever. I don't know his actual name. I've, I've not been. I was actually going to go up. My plan was to go up and, and spend a few days foiling with those boys over this holiday. But uh, I don't know. You guys probably haven't heard of it, but we've had a new lockdown. Um, and so we're not allowed to travel and where all our businesses are shut and um so yeah we're in lockdown mode which is which when you hear about it you'll think you you guys will laugh about this given the difference between um i think the way the u.s has handled this as opposed to us but like we've uh, we've literally just everybody's like talking about how bad the world has become where we've had like 100 people in sydney or 150 people in sydney i think it is um get the latest Delta version of um, of COVID, and so they put us in lockdown. Um, the flip side of that is that um, you guys have had five hundred thousand deaths, or over five hundred thousand deaths, and we've had a thousand. Um, so, but yeah. we over here, we've been going into lockdown as soon as, like in Melbourne, they went into lockdown for a week when one person got COVID. How's the vaccine so, yeah. roll out there, our folks? What? Is everyone vaccinated over there now? No, we've only got 5% of people who have been vaccinated with the two vaccinations. And uh, I think we've had, uh, I can't remember, but it's, it's only like maybe 25% or 30% who've had their first hit. So we've done well in respect to keeping the lid on the number of cases, uh, which was also one of the reasons why they've been saying we've been holding back a bit on the vaccine thing, because they were waiting a while uh, to see, you know, whether there was going to be any bad side effects and stuff. 
which I think is smart. Um, and because they said, well, we've got the luxury because we haven't, you know, got the number of cases in our in our population. Uh, so we can sit back and maybe wait a little bit. As it stands, the AstraZeneca seems to be um, one that people are saying is a problem. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, whether or not, I don't know what you guys have as far as the various vaccines, but we've got access to um, the Pfizer one and the AstraZeneca. And the Pfizer one um, is the one that everybody wants because the AstraZeneca's had the problem with the clotting. Right. But uh, we don't have enough access to that one. We're making AstraZeneca in Australia, whereas the Pfizer one still is coming from overseas. So. We don't gotcha. have good access to it as far as, you know, we can only get what we can get our hands on, whereas we could have um, enough AstraZeneca for everybody, but nobody wants it because of the, because of the, the problem with the, with the uh, blood clotting. So, yeah, it's a, uh, a little bit of an oxy, oxymoron there. Yeah, I don't think there's any good outcomes right now necessarily. I mean... I think we got really lucky that COVID wasn't much more deadly um, than it was just because of how poorly the response was everywhere. I guess Australia did a great job, but then you have to live in perpetual lockdown, which is no fun. Um, I don't know. But that's a topic, yeah. I guess, another podcast. Um, yeah, um, <laughs> speaking, of, speaking of how you deal with it, I, um, I wrote a comment on, um, on Kai Lenny's um, but on on his feed where he was in I don't know Bali or something and I said how come how come lockdown means something different to you than the rest of us <laughs> he's just been everywhere man um let's talk about this real quick I got about another 15 minutes and then I gotta start doing work but um it's early in the morning while we're recording right now morning for me late for Paul Let's talk about cross training in board sports because when you watch the progression of Kai Lenning, and he's such an inspiration because he's been able to achieve this level of close to master, I would say, depending on the sport. Absolutely legend in big waves, um, windsurfing, foiling, now shortboarding. Now changing the game in shortboarding with the strapped um, surfing that he's doing, which I think is going to be a thing. I, I don't know if it'll be a, a thing for everybody, but at least an inspiration to the air guys. He's going to lead the way as far as what airs people are going to do because they're going to see him strapped and then they're going to start doing it unstrapped. And he'll probably be doing them unstrapped at some point. Um, I have always been a believer, and this goes back, I don't know, 15 years for me that, that creativity um, is a misnomer in a way. And I think there are some people that are, are just inherently creative, but I think that a lot of it has to do with exposure and drawing conclusions and being able to see things with a different eye. And while some of that might be, you know, inherent and, talent, I think a lot of it has to do with just drawing on 
it's uh, the right way to articulate this, drawing on um, different experiences that maybe other folks have not had. Um, and so like, I know with, with what I'm doing right now in training and, and going back and forth from shortboarding, I'm actually trying to skate a little bit too, uh, working that in. So like I'm, I'm on this foot sensitivity training program right now where I, I'm trying to get my brain to understand quickly the difference in balances and the nuance between kind of three very different board sports. And if you look at the, the progression of, of Kai Lenny, I think there's really something there. And I know with what I've, what I've experienced the plateaus that I've just kind of broken through that I don't think that that would happen. Um, if I had, and I, like I, I play music too. And I know that, you know, the creativity comes from, you know, if you listening to different you're genres of music, go ahead. I said, you're a renaissance man. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> it's funny i I thought like when i was growing up that that was i thought it was good to be a renaissance man and then i learned probably in early 20s that the the world doesn't really reward you for being (laughs) semi-good at lots of things you have to be really good at at one thing and it changed the way that i look at things and so then but anyways um but it also does reward you for having talent stacks which is what like scott adams talks about being like pretty good at like five different things where there are not a lot of people that have those five overlapping skill sets. So now you have like this very rare specific knowledge when it comes to like five different things, um, which I, which I think is underrated right now. I think like when you think about kids going to college, they're becoming semi good at, at one thing. They spend a lot of time on that, but then they don't have a lot of outside things to give them a talent stack. That's unique. I think like the more unique you can be, the the easier it is to find your way. Um, anyways, but let's talk about the training and the cross training. Uh, I really think that there's something there. I think that it's not a surprise. I mean, Kai is a phenom. He's an incredible athlete, but I do think that his ability to draw on experiences, and he talked about this on a podcast with me years ago when he was talking about the airdrop that he did at Piahi and that as he was in the air, he had done. What's that? That was ridiculous. I think. Oh, insane. But he was talking about, I asked him to talk through what he was thinking about in that moment. And it was like a 10 minute, like breakdown of how, where his mind went. And one of the things that he went to was windsurfing. He had landed so many airs in windsurfing in big, heavy, windy conditions that that's what he was breaking down in the air coming down. And so, I mean, I really think there's something to cross-disciplinary cross-training in board sports, even if your objective is, if your focus is um, just on foiling or just on shortboarding. I think taking a, a step back, going down a skateboarding or snowboarding or, or something else is going to bring back nuance and creativity into what you're doing. Have, have you ever thought about that? I mean, you're, you have a pedigree in, in shortboarding and, and now you're, you know, incredibly good at foiling. Like, how do you think about that and have you? Well, let's, let's take a quick look at some of the guys that are at the forefront of some of the areas of our sport. Kiahi. Yep. The guy's a freak. Yep. And obviously comes from his background as a kite surfer. Austin Tuvey. Yep. 
unbelievable. Wakeboarder, obviously, and his mate, I've forgotten his name, but Noah. His mate, Noah, that's it. Yeah. Like what and those two, Noah Klegel, is it? Flegel, something like that. Yeah. Anyway, him. <laughs> Austin lives in Jacksonville where I live and I get to fly with him all the time. He's a great human and just mind blown to watch in the water, especially strapped. I mean, his confidence, like his hit rate on what he's doing is, is, is just insane. Um, and so, um, as you say, Kai Lenny, he's the original freak at all of this. He's, his yellow board um, uh, video was what changed the foiling world forever. Yep. Um, but, yeah, these are guys who have come to us from other sports um, who are pushing the level of this sport because of what they do in the other sports. So I, I think you're certainly on a, uh, you know, on a, in the right direction there. And I do remember one of your podcasts you were talking about uh, watching uh, kite, kite foilers or, or kite surfers, sorry, yeah. and looking at the lines that they were drawing because suddenly the, the, the extra speed that you were getting out of a foil as opposed to a surfboard was allowing you to do turns with lines that were more like those being drawn by the kite, uh, kite uh, surfers than a, a, a shortboarder uh, would and could be able to do. So certainly um, I know that, for example, um, I've got a, um, my partner, uh, is an ex. Her her daughter was was uh, a good gymnast, and uh, so um, my partner became a gymnastics coach, as you do. <laughs> um, but she had um, she knew a guy, Dmitri. He was an ex Russian um, uh, gymnastics coach um, uh, for the Russian the Russian, I don't know, the Olympic team or something like that. But anyway, he's been living in Australia for a while. Um, but he uh, is employed by the Australian snowboard team. Uh, and also um, I, was, I was actually trying to hook him up with the uh, young bloke that I was training for a while. Um, but, uh, yeah, he, he's involved with the Australian um, snowboarding uh, team in basically, you know, teaching them how to do their spins and 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 work in the air. So absolutely, I think it's certainly a way of the future for certainly the the air crew and stuff to be doing cross cross uh, pollination of of all the sports, all the board sports, no matter what they are. Because uh, as I say, the wakeboarders are certainly bringing. Um, uh, a great deal of acrobatics and then those Spencer boys with their back lips and things. Um, I'm not sure what their background is, but uh, they're certainly popping it uh, in respect to the, the back lips and all that sort of thing. So I think you're onto it. The, the, the potential for use of cross sports in foiling is certainly a lot greater than, you know, tra say traditional surfing uh, is concerned because You've got the limitations for, for a surfer, especially for a, a shortboard surfer, you've got the limit, you're limited by the waves. Whereas a foiler is given or allowed so much extra freedom 
away from what the wave is offering them, whether that be just simply uh, riding the energy that you're being provided by the wave itself or, you know, add a wing or a wing ding, whichever you want to call it, a hand wing. Um, and, you know, all of a sudden what the wind is allowing you to do has opened up a whole new thing. You've got downwinding, you've got so many aspects to the sports. And one of the good things about foiling, I think, is that as opposed to surfing, which is so narrow-minded, you know, oh, you're, you're a surfboarder, you're a male rider, you're a, a bodyboarder, you're a this, you're a that, and never, never the twain is allowed to, to meet, you know. You're not allowed to be a ride, a, ride a male if you're a shortboarder, you know. It's frowned upon. It's like you've just, the focus of the surfing world is 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 just that, and you, you, you're frowned upon if you do anything different, whereas the foiling world has just embraced it all. And that's just such a cool thing, you know, that you're allowed to wing for, you're allowed to downwind, you're allowed to be, um, you know, a, a tow foiler, a prone foiler, a sup foiler, and all of it's just included uh, as, as options uh, for anybody who wants to shove a wing underneath their, their board of choice. And I, I think that's a great thing. And as you say, the, the, the cross-pollination of, of of other sports into those variations uh, is is certainly allowing for the um, progression of the sport to be that much faster. Yeah. Why do you think that it's so accepted in foiling and actually sought after to do all the aspects of foiling and where in shortboarding or surfing, it's not in the same way? I think it's it's literally I think it's simply because the the founders of the sport well first of all it's still so new mm-hmm. second of all I think all the best people have that open mind uh, and and are doing it you know like like I've still got Adam sitting up on my screen here so he comes to mind you know he's doing some windfalling I know that uh Tom's doing some wing foiling. Um, and, and so I just think it's the, the people that people are looking up to are, are choosing to do a wide variety of, of the, the foil sports. And so, therefore, the people following along see it as, yeah, well, you know, that's what I remember, I remember seeing the first SUP riding I ever saw was Tom um, and he was he was at the beach that's literally closest to me here, Kel Kel Beach, and it was in the local paper and, it, um, you know, they, Tom was, was doing uh, boards at the time and he probably organised a photo shoot so he could, you know, get some sales, I don't know, but uh, the, um, there was a picture of him in the local um, um, the local newspaper, which used to be a daily and now it doesn't exist, I don't think. But um, there's a picture of Tom on the back page, you know, just doing this cutback on a, on a sup. And I've looked at it and the first thought I've gone, what the F is he doing? And then the next thought was, shit, Tom's doing it. It's going to get popular now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I think there is a bit of that in, in the foiling world. You know, everybody... 
Um, all the best guys are, are open to to being doing different things. I mean, like look at Miso; he's been powering away with his uh, uh, wing foiling of late. Um, and as I said before, what the Spencer brothers do with their flipping and stuff with the wing. And as for that Italian bloke, what's his name? Oh, is he Brazilian? Ridiculous. Yeah. He is ridiculous. That yeah. is just unbelievable what he does. Yeah. I think it might go deeper than that, though. I think it might be that, I mean, I, obviously the influencers getting it out there, but I think it's also that flying is so addictive that once you get the bug for foiling and being on foil, you don't really care where you get it. It's, you know, like, I don't know if it was a drug, like you wouldn't care which way you were doing it necessarily. It's just, you need the drug. Um, yeah, you know, certainly, it, certainly the various um, options provide more time in the water and more time in the water, I think is what we all want. So. Yeah. All right. Well, I've got five minutes, Paul. What do you want to leave us with? Uh, what do I want to leave you with? Well, yeah. wise words. The world really, the world really is a wonderful place. Have fun doing it. Do it safely. Don't paddle out where other surfers are. And yeah, have fun. Enjoy yourself. Make sure you do it safely and have a best ever every day. Best ever. I think you coined that, man. <laughs> Wasn't, uh, well, it might be the best uh, the, the Lost Boys did. We were always talking about best evers. I don't know who, ever, who said it first, but yeah, best evs. You've got to have best evs every day. And certainly the foil can give you that without... Uh, without having to worry about the conditions. And that is always the best thing about the foil. Awesome. Thanks for joining me this morning, this evening for you. Um, and it was good to catch up, brother. No worries. And thanks for having us on again. Enjoyable. This is the Progression Project Podcast. Deconstructing foiling, flow, and the learning process with your host, Eric Anthemson.